Utah skiers and riders, and welcome to Last Chair. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. Thanks to Utah's Pixie and the Partygrass Boys for kicking off this episode. And a big welcome to High West, Utah's first legal distillery since 1870. Passionate about crafting delicious and distinctive whiskeys and helping people appreciate whiskey all in the context of our home right here in the American West. When you're in town, visit one of High West locations in Park City and nearby Wanship, where you can actually tour the distillery. We also welcome our episode sponsors. First of all, uh, Hyatt Centric, a hidden gem located slopeside at the Sunrise Lift in Canyons Village. We also welcome Red Ledges, a 2,000-acre community just minutes from Park City where you can experience the best of what Utah has to offer. Visit redledges.com to discover Red Ledges. It's Olympic time, and I found myself pretty much nonstop in front of a TV or a mobile device late into the evening and early in the morning watching Team USA over in Beijing. In our last episode, we talked about the games coming back to America, to right here in Utah, maybe as early as 2030. And we also talked about how a full third of Team USA makes its home or training base right here in Utah. And that doesn't include the several dozen foreign Olympians who live here as well. It gives us a real hometown team. What is it that makes Utah so popular with athletes? Well, a lot of it stems back to the 2002 Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games that were held here, and that legacy is still alive and well today. So this week, we thought that we would catch up with a few of Utah's Olympians who are actually over in Beijing right now. To learn more about how kids get into sport and how it enriches their lives, we caught up with Emily Fisher, the executive director of an organization in Park City called the Youth Sports Alliance. And YSA, as it's called, has been introducing kids to sport for two decades. And while we'll chat about the Olympics and the pride that Park City has in sending over 50 athletes from a half dozen nations to Beijing, the underlying message is about the power of sport to simply change lives. We'll join Emily first to set the stage and then catch up with a half dozen different Utah athletes to talk about how sport has impacted their lives and to explore their pride in heading to the Olympics in Beijing. We are right now in the middle of the Olympics in Beijing. Emily Fisher, our guest today, the executive director of the Youth Sports Alliance in Park City. Have you been getting your Olympic fill so far? Absolutely. I've been watching every night. You know, I'm still amazed at how many Utahns we have over in Beijing. I think Team USA, a full third of Team USA is from the state of Utah. And, and in Park City, where you're based with the Youth Sports Alliance, I think, what do you have? You have over 50 U.S. and foreign Olympians who base or train in Park City. Yes, we have 51 athletes who are representing Park City Nation, and that includes athletes that are homegrown, so they grew up here in Park City or Summit County, or they are hometown, so they either moved here for the training opportunities with our local clubs or live here now. Yeah, it is really something that gives us a little extra something to root for. Give us a little bit of your background. Sure. So I grew up in Hanover, New Hampshire. I grew up skiing all different disciplines. When I was younger, I even competed in four event meets, which meant slalom and ski jumping in the morning and giant slalom and cross-country ski races in the afternoon. Made for a wild day with a lot of equipment. And then in high school, I specialized in cross-country skiing and ski jumping. And then I attended Middlebury College and skied cross-country for Middlebury for four years. 
Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about Youth Sports Alliance. You're the executive director now, but your background in sport here just in this community is rather extensive. Yeah, I moved here basically right after college and I began working for the U.S. ski team. I worked for the U.S. ski team for nine years through the 2002 games and the 2006 games. After my kids were born, I took a small break and then went to work for the Utah Olympic Legacy Foundation at the Utah Olympic Park and Soldier Hollow and then started with the Youth Sports Alliance in 2017. But I have always found my passion in sport and in winter sports specifically and have followed that passion. You have done a great job in following up a succession of great leaders at Youth Sports Alliance. Tell us a little bit about the organization and how it provides opportunities for kids. Yeah, I have to say that I wake up every single day and I'm so thankful for the people in town who founded the Youth Sports Alliance. It was founded just after the 2002 games and basically it was to have a community effort to get all of the youth from Summit and Wasatch counties out using these amazing Olympic venues and getting as many kids out and active in our community playground. The 2002 Olympics were really a catalyst, and we've seen a lot of that in the Olympics so far at Beijing with some of these kids who were really motivated. And we're going to talk today to a number of athletes who really came out of that period. Talk a bit, a bit about that legacy and how unique it is in this state that we have that 20 years now after the Olympics, the legacy still lives on. The legacy absolutely still lives on. And I think what's so amazing is that my organization, the Youth Sports Alliance, can run after-school programs and we can offer sports like luge, speed skating, Nordic jumping, freestyle skiing, moguls, cross-country skiing. Basically, every winter Olympic sport, we offer a program where kids can try it, see if they like it, and then join local clubs. The only one, of course, we don't have right now is bobsled. They don't let kids drive bobsleds. But other than that, kids can try any Olympic sport they would like. It really is fun. You have a specific program, Get Out and Play, that has really been a conduit for a number of Olympians. Yeah, we right now, part of Park City Nation, we have three athletes that started in our Get Out and Play program, which is basically just bite size, come try a sport for four to six weeks. It's very affordable. So we have three athletes that started in that Get Out and Play program that have now followed their passion all the way to the Olympic Games, which is just mind boggling. Now, a small percentage of these athletes make it to the games, and it's been wonderful to celebrate them over the, the past few days as the games are underway in Beijing. But really, sport goes so much further than that. I always say those three athletes are phenomenal PR stories for us right now, and it's so fun to watch and cheer for them knowing that they started in our community and our schools. But for me, it's really about the 1,500 kids that we get out and active every year. I think it's really important for every kid growing up in Park City. A lot of their parents work in the service industry, but they don't have the opportunity to use these amazing Olympic venues or get out, learn how to ski, learn how to snowboard. So I always think that that is the most important life legacy of our program that these kids can grow up and feel part of the community because they participate in things that are so important to the community. One of the athletes we're talking to today on last year is Jared Shoemate from Park City, and he's a Nordic combined skier, Nordic combined Olympian now in Beijing. He was an athlete who got his start in this really basic get out and play program. 
Yeah, Jared was an athlete. He was a student here in Park City. And during, you know, one of those early release Fridays in the winter, he was signed up for get out and play ski jumping, decided to give it a try, tried it, loved it, joined the local club. They put him into Nordic Combined. And now here he is competing in Beijing. Yeah, he was really excited to talk to us. And we'll hear from him in just a minute. Another one that we're featuring on this episode is Rosie Brennan. And while she didn't come out of one of your specific programs, she's a quintessential Park City story, you know, just taking advantage of the athletic opportunities we have. Absolutely. And part of the legacy of the Youth Sports Alliance is we have been supporting all of the local clubs here in town. That's one of the clubs that Rosie grew up in. And I just love her story because she didn't find necessarily cross-country skiing as a young kid. She came to it a little bit later, obviously wildly talented, but had the opportunity to take that passion and pursue it through college, through her career in Anchorage. And we will definitely be going bananas and cheering for Rosie. We're kind of clued in as Americans to watch Team USA, but in our community and in Utah, we have so many athletes who are skiing for international teams. And one that we're featuring in this episode is Brendan Newby or Bubba to his friends. He's a native of Orem, just got started in sport and ended up making his way up here to Park City to practice his craft in half pipe skiing. Bubba is such a unique athlete and has such a passion for half pipe skiing. I just, I love to talk to Bubba. His energy is contagious. And he, again, was one of the athletes who was in one of our local clubs and had a point in his life where he was having a hard time affording the travel and training. So he applied for a scholarship through the Stein Erickson Endowment, and we were able to support him. And just to see some of our direct athlete scholarship funding make it to the Olympic Games, again, is, is just is phenomenal. But it's also also just about keeping all of these kids in sport during times in their lives where they may be facing challenges. And by the way, he is skiing for Ireland. Correct. Yes, he is skiing for Ireland and he will definitely be waving that Irish flag and it's wonderful to see him out there. Zoe and Izzy Atkins are also a couple of great skiers. Izzy winning the bronze medal in slopestyle skiing in Pyeongchang four years ago. They are both on the team, but they're on the team for Great Britain. They moved here to Park City for the same opportunities and they may not be representing Team USA, but they're certainly representing the Park City nation with GBR Snowsport. We are very proud of Park City Nation and of the Atkins sisters, I think Park City and really all of Utah is such a unique situation for athletes and students that grow up here. I think many students and athletes, if they're succeeding at a certain level, feel like maybe they should be going to a ski academy, maybe they should be separated from their families. But Park City really creates this unique situation where athletes and families can stay together and still train at a very elite level and pursue their dreams all the way to the Olympic Games. And finally, Alex Wilkinson, who is a skier who was just recently, right before the the games began, named to the team a replacement for Breezy Johnson on the Alpine team. She actually got her start in sport right here in Park City. Lives elsewhere now, but she was a Parkite for a number of years. Yeah, she was a Parkite. She was a member of the Park City ski team for five years. And interestingly enough, she was also a member of the figure skating club of Park City. While she was having success as an Alpine skier, part of her balance and her edge work has been credited to her background in figure skating. So again, Park City just creates sport athletes, athletes who can try so many different things. And many of them are training in several different sports on any single given day. I mean, there's just so many opportunities for athletes to try things and pursue things at an elite level. 
last question. You've lived here now for uh, quite a few years and you've seen this culture of sport grow over time. What does it mean to be here in Utah and to have this amazing culture of sport that emanated from the 2002 Olympics? Yeah, now that I have lived here for 23 years, I think I can call myself a local. But what I love is... I'm not sure we can go that far, Emily. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm quite there yet, right? Maybe at 25 years. I think actually I've lived in Park City longer than I've lived anywhere else. But what I just love is when I moved here in 1998 to work for the U.S. ski team, there was not this legacy or there wasn't necessarily locals that you could turn to. And now after the 2002 games, the local youth here have so many athletes that they can look up to. They can see Billy DeMong in the grocery store. They can see him competing at the town series, you know, right here at Utah Olympic Park. Derek Parra comes up and he teaches our get out and play speed skating. It is rare, but there are Olympic champions everywhere. And I think youth in our community and really in Utah in general, they see those Olympians, they see the Olympic champions, and it makes the Olympics seem attainable. It makes those dreams something that's a reality and something that they're excited to pursue. I just love that passion. And I love seeing that tradition of excellence. Emily, where can parents find out more about your programs to get their kids involved? So all of our information is at ysaparkcity.org. There's volunteer opportunities. You can find out information about all of our programs. And of course, there's always a donate button. Emily Fisher, thanks for joining us, Executive Director of the Youth Sports Alliance. Now let's go talk to some athletes who are a part of the Park City Nation. Absolutely. Go Team USA. It's gratifying to hear about the programs the Youth Sports Alliance has in place to get kids engaged in sport. We're going to explore that more with some Utah athletes who are competing in Beijing, but first let's test your knowledge of winter sports. What do you know about Nordic Combined? Well, it's a fascinating sport that combines the explosiveness of ski jumping soaring through the air with the heart-pumping aerobics of cross-country skiing. Jared Shoemate grew up in Park City and was introduced to sport in YSA's Get Out and Play program. He eventually gravitated to Nordic Combine. We caught up with Jared as he was packing his bags for his first trip to the Olympic Winter Games in Beijing. And a big welcome to Olympian Jared Shoemate from Park City. Hey, that sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? It does. Brings a smile to my face. <laughs> So we're going to dive in in a little bit to how you got here and how you got your start in the sport, but just the whole concept of being at the Olympics and being an Olympian, I'm sure this was a childhood dream for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Growing up in Park City, every day on my way to school, just looking out the windows, I could see the Utah Olympic Park, not knowing when I was three years old that I'd be going to the Olympics for that sport. So who knows, maybe it's been in me since I was a little kid. So, Jared, you are a Nordic combined skier, which combines cross-country with ski jumping. Tell us a little bit about that sport, how it works, and what attracted you to it. Yeah, so Nordic combined, like you said, is Nordic ski jumping mixed with cross-country skiing. So most of the time, our events is a ski jumping competition first, and you get a certain amount of points based on your distance and how well you jump based on your style points. And then those points get converted into a cross-country start list. So whoever wins the jumping starts the race first, and then there's a certain point calculation for how far behind you are on the ski jumping hill determines how far back you start the cross-country race. And then first person across the line is the winner. 
Yeah, that's the part that I really love about Nordic Combined is that when you get to that cross-country finale, it is head-to-head racing. What's that like? I definitely am happy I kind of swung towards Nordic Combined based on ski jumping. Because after, say, I don't have a good jump during a ski jumping competition, I know I can go fight it out during the cross-country race. And most of our races are only about 20 to 25 minutes. So it's full-on intensity, like you said, head-to-head, just trying to beat everyone around you. Yeah, it is a great one to watch. Let's talk about how you got started. There's over 50 Olympians from Park City going to Beijing in all sorts of different sports from different nations. But you got your start through the Youth Sports Alliance's Get Out and Play program. Tell us about that. During elementary school, both of my parents were working during the days. So I was in the after school program anyway. And then when I was in fifth grade, we found out about the Get Out and Play program where every Friday after school got out. You got on a bus and went to whatever sport club you chose. And for me, I chose ski jumping. So yeah, every Friday afternoon, got to go up to the Olympic Park for a couple hours and just have fun going off the ski jumps. At that point, didn't care about technique, didn't care about anything, didn't care about winning any competition. It was just all about having fun. You know, as the name implies, it is get out and play. And I imagine that the whole focus was on fun when you were a young boy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think with ski jumping, every part about it's fun, even now as a World Cup level competitor, like going fast, being in the air, just the whole experience, being with your friends, playing in the snow on a Friday afternoon. Growing up in Park City, I know that you and your friends had a lot of sports opportunities, the legacy of the 2002 Olympics having been here. But how cool was it growing up to have all of these winter sports opportunities at your fingertips? It was unbelievable. Originally, when I was maybe two or three years old, started in alpine skiing and just had a blast doing that. And then through the Youth Sports Alliance and the Get Out and Play, found out about all these other disciplines within alpine skiing. And I don't honestly quite know what drew me to ski jumping other than just the speed and the going off jumps. But considering I'm going to the Olympics now for Nordic combined, but I could have taken 10 different paths through the Get Out and Play program. I'm happy it worked out the way it did. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other benefits of sport. You're in the small group that actually is going to the Olympics, but so many other kids get so much more out of the sport. I've often looked at the power of sport and what it brings, but if you look at the life lessons that you've taken away from sport, what are some of those? For me, one of the biggest things that I've learned, I guess maybe biggest two, are kind of independence and the importance of a work ethic. Because for me, I started traveling internationally without parents when I was, I want to say, 14 years old. So you got to kind of learn how to fend for yourself in whatever country you're in. And then with work ethic, I think any sport, you know, there's the 10,000 hour rule that it takes 10,000 hours to get somewhere. And for especially an endurance sport like Nordic Combined, you got to put in the work, put in the hours, and the results may not come immediately, but being able to just continue working hard, I'm happy to see that it's, it's coming along. Now that you're an Olympian competing in Beijing at the Olympic Winter Games, what are some of the things that you hope to take away from your experience in China? This is obviously my first Olympics, so the Olympics itself is very daunting. I've never been here before, so I'm looking to kind of gain from the experience that I'm getting at these games and build that towards future games. Because right now, it would definitely be a long shot to call myself a medal contender, but I think I can use the experience from these Beijing games to be even more prepared for the next time around. 
In closing, Jared, any shout-out you want to give to all of your friends in Park City at U Sports Alliance and everybody else in town? Absolutely, yeah, to everybody listening, especially in the U Sports Alliance programs. Start now, have fun, enjoy skiing with your friends, and you know, if you're passionate about it, keep doing it, and who knows, maybe I'll be on an Olympic team with you in the future. Jared Shoemate, Park City Nordic Combined Skier, heading to Beijing for the Olympic Winter Games. Thanks, Jared. Yeah, thank you. Thanks to Jared for chatting with us on Last Chair. Next, we're going to head to Ireland, or at least to an Irish athlete living in Orem, Utah. Brendan Newby is a half-pipe skier, now in Beijing for his second Olympics. Brendan, or Bubba as he's known to his friends, grew up in Utah and found a club program and coach in Park City who helped make the difference for him. And he drew on his family's Irish heritage, skiing with pride for his ancestors' homeland, both in the Pyeongchang 2018 Olympics and now in Beijing. Joining us now is two-time Olympian Brendan Newby from Ireland via Orem. So great to have you on Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. Sweet. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about your sport. You're a half-pipe skier. How did you get involved in that, and how has Utah really helped to craft your opportunity to become a two-time Olympian? So I grew up born in Ireland, then grew up skiing in Utah. And my dad took us to Brighton when I was four. And that's just kind of what we did. And then I've always really have been into doing tricks on trampolines, going upside down, flipping off whatever I could. When I first learned flips on skis, my mom saw it and was like, all right, well, we're not going to get this guy to stop. So let's get him to do it safely. And she got me into the Park City Freestyle Ski Team. It was PC free at the time. Now it's Park City Ski and Snowboard. And they, I started working with them when I was about 13, 14. And I mean, Park City has like some of the best stuff for freestyle skiing around. They've got half pipes. Woodward now is a 22 foot pipe. Some of the best parks. So it's an easy place to get into it. And then I just learned there. I kept working with the ski team, stuck to it. And now here I am at my second Olympics. You know, it's kind of interesting if you look around the Utah area, there are a lot of foreign athletes who are living and training in the area. I know that Ireland, not always known so much as a ski nation, but it does have a a ski team, a snowboard team. Do you have much connection with some of the other Irish athletes who live in various places around the world? Well, our uh, snowboarder, Seamus O'Connor, he actually lives in Park City. And we become, after Pyeongchang, we become best friends. We hang out all the time. And then the other guys on the Irish team, they live all over. They're all European. They all train out of Europe. So we don't get to see them too often, but we stay in touch. And uh, one of them, Tess Arbe, she's French. She's really cool. She made it out to her second Olympics as well. So she's here. Good. Do you guys kind of connect when you actually do you connect during the season at all? Or is it really these multi-sport events like Olympics to bring you guys together? So during the season, we all have such different schedules that we, if we're lucky, we'll be at the same place in the world at the same time. But that's pretty rare. I mean, Seamus and I both do half pipe. And so when those events will line up and we'll travel and train together all the time, but then the other ones we only see at big events like Olympics and then 
also team ireland holds they send us all out to dublin to do stuff at their sports institute which is like the team ireland equivalent of the center of excellence in park city except it's for all olympic sports and not just a ski team gym so i see them when we do team stuff out in dublin that's pretty cool utah has a lot of opportunity can you talk a little bit about you know what growing up in Utah has meant to you and the opportunities that you've had in sport? I mean, it's probably one of the most fun places to grow up. Everywhere you go, there's some type of awesome public lands to do fun stuff on. Like I'm a mountain biker and dirt biker as well. And I can basically go 20 minutes in any direction and have insanely good stuff to ride. There's fishing, there's all sorts of cool stuff. And then as far as winter sports goes, I mean, if you want to be a winter sport Olympian, Utah is kind of the place to do it for literally any sport because of the 2002 games and because the Utah Olympic Legacy Foundation has kept up all of the facilities so well, good enough to hold international level events on them still. They're like any winter sport you want to do from cross-country skiing even we even have one of the two bobsled tracks in the country so if you want to slide really fast on ice do it there and i think having all these facilities just helps people really want to get into it and it makes it possible you don't have to travel across the country to go train you can just do it in your backyard it's really really nice and convenient in that aspect I think the 2002 Olympic slogan really plays here because like you light the fire within it's lit for a lot of people in Utah and they can just go in their backyard and rip. So you were a young boy when those Olympics came to town. Do you have some memories of going to some of the events? Yeah, still my dad took us to me and my brothers. He took us to a hockey game down in the Provo ice arena. I don't remember what teams were playing. I just remember the team I wanted to win one. So that was cool. And then we also went to a cross-country event at Soldier Hollow. I mean, I'm surprised I still remember that because I must have been five or six at the time. And cross-country is not exactly a spectator sport, but I still remember it. And I guess I just really wanted to be an Olympian ever since. Well, it's been fun to watch you and all the others uh, growing up and competing here in Utah. As we close out, do you have any shout-out you want to send to the folks back home? I want to give a huge shout out to my mom and dad. They never stopped believing in me, which, I mean, my mom said after Pyeongchang that every kid tells their parents they want to be an Olympian. So she was like, okay, cool. But didn't think I'd actually pull it off. But even if she didn't think it at first, she never stopped supporting me and pushing me. And a huge shout out to my dad, because like without him, I wouldn't be a skier. So I wouldn't be where I am without either of them. Brenda Newby, we wish you all the luck in uh, Beijing and look forward to seeing you when you get back home and march in that Olympian parade in Park City coming up on April 1st. Oh, I'll be there. I can't wait. Thanks to Bubba for taking time to chat with us on Last Chair. His fans back home are looking forward to cheering him on in Beijing. Next up is a Utah cross-country skiing legend who is back to the Olympics for a second time. Rosie Brennan grew up in Park City and experienced snow sports early on, but it was her family's great experience watching cross-country and biathlon at the Soldier Hollow venue at the 2002 Olympics that inspired her to take up the sport. Today, Rosie Brennan is one of the best in the world in cross-country skiing. Let's chat with Rosie. 
One of my very favorite athletes in Park City is Rosie Brennan. Rosie is one of the top skiers on the U.S. cross-country ski team. Uh, she is an Olympian going back for her second time to Beijing this year. And Rosie, thanks for joining us on Last Chair. Thanks for having me, Tom. I'm excited to be here. So let's talk a little bit about your sport, cross-country skiing, and tell folks a little bit about it, what you do, what the distances are, how you train for it. Yeah, well, I might be biased, but I think cross-country skiing is the best sport. And I think it's the best because, you know, we're still out there enjoying the snow and that feeling of being, you know, free on the snow and gliding on the snow. But we also get the benefit of going up the hills too, which is a great workout. It's very satisfying. It feels very good to work hard that way. But then you also get the fun of the downhills, cornering, tactics, racing, all that kind of stuff. So in my mind, it's honestly just a sport that really combines everything, all types of athleticism. And I really enjoy that part. You know, our shortest race is a sprint race, which is about one and a half kilometers and you do it in elimination rounds. And then our longest race for the women goes up to 30 kilometers. And then we race distances in between as well. Most commonly is probably the 10 kilometer race is our most common distance. And then sprinting is, you know, our races are split, not quite 50, 50, maybe like one third to two thirds sprint and distance. And some skiers specialize, but I really enjoy doing all of the distances. It's just always brings a new challenge to every day. And we also have two techniques, the skate technique, which is, you know, more lateral movement, kind of like ice skating and then classic technique, which is your more typical, what people think of when they think of cross-country skiing with a forward and backward movement. And again, some people are specialists, but I really enjoy the challenge of trying to perfect both techniques. So I like to race everything I can. Rosa, you grew up right here in Park City, and when you were a young girl, I'm sure you had a lot of sport opportunities. What else did you do, and how did you eventually make your way into cross-country? Well, I was born in Salt Lake, and I moved up to Park City when I was about two, and my family had ended up in Utah because they loved skiing, alpine skiing, and so that was something that I grew up doing. That was you know, what our family did on the weekends. We went to the resort, and we skied as a family, and so that has always been a part of my life and definitely you know, part of the community in Park City as well. I did not Nordic ski then. I did not grow up in Nordic skiing. That came later, and you know, as a kid, I did base in recreation soccer, some competitive soccer, a little bit of gymnastics and tennis. And then after the 2002 Olympics, suddenly there were tons of opportunities that opened up to try all kinds of winter sports for local kids. And so I did a skeleton camp with one of my friends, which is about as opposite of cross-country skiing as you can get. But it was a really cool experience to have to go down the skeleton track for a week or so in Park City. And then eventually I found myself as a middle schooler with a lot of energy and not much to do. And my mom told me I had to pick one of the activities, anything I wanted, but I had to find something to keep me busy. And she had gotten into cross-country skiing as an adult. And so she kept kind of, you know, suggesting it like, do you want to try the Nordic team? Like, maybe that would be something you'd like to do. And eventually I didn't have a better idea. So I gave in and it was a perfect fit for me. And so I was 14 at that point and I jumped in the Park City Nordic Ski Club and yeah, never looked back from there. So it's been a great journey. Looking back 20 years, Rosie, when you were a young girl, how important were those 2002 Olympics in really getting you fired up about sport? I mean, they were incredible. The first time I kind of became aware of the Olympics was during the 1996 games in Atlanta. I remember I was 
a young girl then and very into gymnastics and watching the gymnastics team win the gold medal there was the first time that, you know, those kind of Olympic dreams were, I think, planted in my head, but I knew it wasn't going to be in gymnastics. I was very into it, but I was not particularly talented in it. And so, you know, I think I always had that kind of idea in the back of my head. And then when the winter Olympics came, you know, we had three weeks off of school and I was in seventh grade, which was a great age. My parents both worked, so they were gone during the day. And so my brother and I were kind of left to our own devices. And we were just that perfect age where we weren't quite into getting into trouble, but we were old enough to do some stuff on our own. So, you know, we'd take the city bus into main street and try to get all the free stuff and get autographs from athletes and watch the events on the TV and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And then my family was also able to get a package of tickets. So we saw a huge variety of them throughout the games, which was really a great experience to just kind of like see all these winter sports. And, you know, that really started to make me think about all the possibilities out there, all the sports that I could try. We actually did go to quite a few cross-country ski races because those tickets were really easy to get. We had like one event part of our package that we got. And the venue was so great at Soldier Hollow that my mom just went to the grocery store and they had more tickets. So we, she bought us some more and we kept going back to cross country. And it's funny because I, I didn't cross country ski at the time, but I'm sure, you know, like subconscious that had some sort of an impact on me. And then, you know, it was the next year that I started cross country skiing. And of course, I think just having that you know, image in my head of, of what an Olympic ski race looked like. Like I knew what cross-country skiing was, what I was striving for, what it looked like at the top level. And so I think, you know, that was definitely impactful for me. And as well as, you know, having, I think a really big impact was my parents had a young Nordic combined athlete. Well, he was like a few years older than my brother and I live with us. He was training for the Olympics and I think, you know, having a role model in the house like that was also very influential in like showing me, you know, what it took to become an elite athlete and what that kind of looks like. And, you know, that's all thanks to the Olympics and all the venues that were created and it becoming a really like hotspot for athletes training at the highest level. And so those role models were all around. And I think that had a huge impact as well. It's always interesting to see what things influence youngsters and how their past move forward. You know, it's been 20 years since those games and you are going to Beijing as one of the top athletes in your sport. You will be challenging the world's best. Aside from the quest for medals that everyone dreams about, what is it that you really look at sport as having brought to your life? Sport has brought me honestly just about everything. I am so thankful for the opportunities that I've had. It, it's taught me honestly so much more than like however many years of school I've done at this point in my life. But you know, it's the putting a challenge out there and working hard towards it. And then oftentimes coming up short, probably more frequently than not. And then learning how to take that shortcoming, process it, figure out what went well, what didn't go well, and then work up the courage to go take what you learned and apply it again. And that like kind of process of going through those steps over and over again until you get to where you want to go, I think has just been so incredibly powerful for me. You know, I guess maybe I've been a little bit of a slower learner in the process and it's taken me a while to get where I am, but I'm so appreciative to have had these opportunities and to have the time to go through that process because I really I mean, what I love most is that challenge to like take what I've learned from my shortcomings and apply them again and try to improve myself. And I feel like I've finally had enough lessons where I'm in a place that I can be competitive and I'm really excited to just be in the race, to be a part of the race, to be in the mix and to have 
even the opportunity to make a move or to put myself in a place for uh, success. So yeah, I'm very grateful for that. And uh, I think sport is, is so wonderful because it allows you the opportunity to take on challenges and to learn about yourself through challenge. Rosie Brennan, thank you for joining us on Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. Do you have any big shout out you want to give to all the folks back in Park City and in Utah? Yeah. Thanks, Park City, for all you've given me. I hope in return you'll stay up really late to cheer me on in my races. The time change is less than favorable, but go Team USA. Thanks very much. Rosie Brennan, Olympian in Beijing. Thanks to Rosie Brennan. Her Utah fans take a lot of pride in cheering her on. We have two more great athlete interviews coming up in just a moment. But first, I want to talk for a minute about a real treasure over at Canyons Village at Park City. That entire base area has really been transformed over the past few years. I love skiing out of there, taking the gondola or the orange bubble up the mountain and then just starting to explore. I was also really struck by the opportunities for guests in the Canyons Village, like the Hyatt-centric Park City. Hyatt-centric is truly a hidden gem, a true ski-in, ski-out resort located slopeside at Canyons. Just hop on the Sunrise Lift and you have over 7,000 acres of terrain at your disposal. At the Hyatt-centric, you can choose from one- to four-bedroom residential-style residences with full-size living, dining, and kitchen. Residences also offer washer, dryer, and outside decks. You will also find a wonderful full-service restaurant and bar along with an outdoor heated pool and jacuzzis. The Hyatt-centric Park City tucked away just a few steps from the Canyons Resort Plaza. Check it out for your next winter holiday at Hyatt.com. Next up, we're going to chat with a couple of Brits who do some insane things on skis. Izzy and Zoe Atkin moved to Utah when they were younger to pursue their sport in one of the great club programs in Park City. Over time, Izzy gravitated to slopestyle skiing, hugging herself off these monster snow features. Younger sister Zoe tried that, but ultimately found her way in halfpipe skiing. Izzy was in Pyeongchang four years ago, bringing home the Olympic bronze medal in slopestyle skiing for Great Britain. This time around, she's bringing younger sister Zoe, who will compete in the halfpipe. Now let's catch up with Olympians Izzy and Zoe Atkin. And we have a real treat now with a couple of skiers who have grown up in Park City, moved here some years ago, and are in Beijing competing at the Olympic Winter Games. And like to welcome Izzy and Zoe Atkin. Welcome to Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. Hello. Thanks for having us. Well, it's great to have you here. And I want to have you tell your story a little bit. And Izzy, if you could start out, Izzy, you are a bronze medalist from the 2018 Games in Pyeongchang in the slope style skiing event. Can you give a little bit of your background and then we'll go over to Zoe? Yeah, so I'm a slope style and big air skier. Moved to Park City about nine years ago now and just came up through the pipeline, through the club programs there, started competing and really found a passion for it and discovered that I was good at it and just really enjoyed the community I had and pushing myself and competing. And Zoe, you chose the, uh, ultimately chose the half pipe route. What was your pathway to sport that's led you to Beijing? Well, I started skiing both slope style and half pipe through, it was originally called Axis Freeride, but now it's, I think it's called Park City Ski and Snowboard with Hatches program. And yeah, I basically grew up watching my sister ski and wanted to be like her. But then eventually I kind of 
became a little more timid about the jumps and the rails. So I kind of gravitated towards half pipe and now I only ski half pipe and I love it. It's so much fun. So what is it, and Zoe, we'll start with you, but what is it about the atmosphere in Park City? It's become such a center for athletes. There are over 50 Park City athletes from a number of different countries in Beijing for the Olympics. But what is it that's so special about Park City that makes it a great atmosphere for you as an athlete to train? I think it's just a really great place to be because everyone loves just to be outside and to do what they love to do, like skiing, snowboarding, being outdoors. And a lot of people kind of have that athlete mindset. I went to a school called the Winter Sports School, and it was basically a whole school of winter sport athletes. So it was great to be in that community, and we all pushed each other. And yeah, everyone just kind of has that drive to like be outside and have fun, but also like push themselves in sport. Izzy, you were also in the Winter Sports School, right? Yeah. And what are the things that you find attractive in uh, Park City and in Utah as an athlete, now a two-time Olympian, that's really made this a great place for you to have your training base? Yeah, I think Zoe put it really well. You know, we have just great outdoor access here to all of the sports that I enjoy doing. Obviously, the winter school, too, kind of allowing us to have that sport school balance that is harder on a traditional semester system. And then also just all of the amazing club programs and facilities we have here, like the Utah Olympic Park, obviously on Park City Ski and Snowboard. We also used to ski with Wasatch Mogul Skiing. So yeah, there's just a lot of opportunities to kind of get into sport here. Izzy, you were in the 2018 Olympics in Pyeongchang in South Korea. Obviously a good experience because you came away with a medal, but what was that experience like in being with athletes from so many other nations? Yeah, it was incredible. It was the first experience I'd ever had like that. Obviously my first Olympics, but just kind of to have all those incredibly driven athletic people in one bubble and kind of like getting to know other people's stories, how they got to where they are today. And just like that mindset in the village is super motivating. And it was just an amazing experience for me to even go there. Obviously when I started skiing, Slope style, it wasn't an Olympic sport. It wasn't something I expected in my future. I didn't, not when I was younger, it was something I looked to was going to the Olympics. It was X Games at the time because that was kind of the pinnacle of our sport. But so just to just experience the Olympics was incredible. And I didn't expect to go in there, get to win a medal, but it was just amazing to come out with that. Zoe, has your older sister giving you any advice or counsel as you head to your first Olympic game? Yeah, a lot. I mean, not just for the Olympics, but for everything I do. She gives me so much advice and helps me so much and inspires me. But I tend to put a lot of pressure on myself. So she's told me a lot of times just to try and enjoy the experience because it's like a once in a lifetime experience and there's nothing like it. Is there anything, Zoe, that you're really looking forward to at the games? I know you're excited to get into the halfpipe, but any other experience that you'd like to take away from your first Olympics? I mean, honestly, I'm kind of just excited to experience the vibe of the Olympic Village with all those athletes. Like as Isabel said, meeting all these people from around the world, like these insanely talented and extremely hardworking people. And yeah, I feel like it's always really interesting to be around like athlete mindsets and to see how they are like outside of their sport. Oh, that's great. Just to wrap it up, Izzy, any shout out that you'd like to give to all the folks back home in Utah? 
Yeah, obviously just so much love to our parents. They've really pushed us and given us so many opportunities to excel at what we do. Hatch for kind of bringing us up when we were younger through the program, through the pipeline, and just everyone back home cheering us on. Zoe, how about you? Final shout out to the friends back home. Everyone who's ever supported me, like that has helped me reach my dreams because this has been a dream for such a long time to go to the Olympics. So I'm really excited. Isabel and Zoe Atkin, thank you for joining us on Last Chair and all the best to you. Good luck in Beijing. Thank you so much. The Atkin sisters are fun to watch, both at the top of their sport. For our final athlete guest, we caught up with a skier whose Olympic event of mogul skiing was first up in Beijing. And he's pretty proud of his fifth place finish in his very first Olympics. Nick Page is another athlete who grew up in sport programs right here in Utah. He's an impressive young man who could feel the energy of his hometown even 10,000 miles away in Beijing. Let's catch up with Nick Page as he tells us his Olympic story. And we're honored to have with us now Olympian Nick Page, moguls skier extraordinaire. And Nick, actually, you've actually finished your competitions. An amazing fifth place finish in your first Olympics. Congratulations. Oh, thank you, Tom. I appreciate you having me on. Great to have you and hear your voice from a different part of the world. Let's uh, talk a little bit about your background and how you got into mogul skiing here in Park City. Yeah, so it started out really around the time of the 2010 Olympics. Uh, I watched Brian Wilson won a bronze medal in Vancouver. And at the time I had just joined Wasatch Freestyle, which was based out of Park City, skiing at Deer Valley. And it was so cool because Brian had came from that same organization. And I was, you know, just starstruck thinking someone that was in a position like I was just won an Olympic medal. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. Did you have any connectivity with the Olympics before that? I know that you were too young to be here and your family wasn't here in 2002, but even before you saw 2010, were you aware of the Olympics and the opportunities that a young man might have in sport? I remember, oh man, I think I've watched every Olympics really in depth since 2008 that I know of. I remember sitting in bed with my parents watching Michael Phelps in Beijing in 2008, which is pretty cool. But that was kind of my first big memory of it. And ever since then, I've been a a huge Olympic fan every two years, but really every four years when it rolls around to the winter ones. You know, one of the things that we've been very conscious of here in Utah is how many Utahns are in Beijing. In fact, a third of Team USA across all sports are athletes who have a connect. Yeah, I mean, they have a connectivity to Utah. They're based here. And and in Park City alone, there's more than 50 from Team USA and other nations. What is it about the Park City area and Utah in general that's so attractive to athletes? You know, I think, Tom, a big part of it comes from those Salt Lake Olympics. And I think all the infrastructure that's been kind of left in place for us to keep using and keep squeezing out from 2010 and all the venues. When you look at, at Deer Valley, I mean, we ski on champion, the Olympic run. You train at the Utah Olympic Park. I know the Oval down in Salt Lake gets so much action and so much use that we're really um, we're able to repurpose all that from 2002 and put it all back into the community to build these current level athletes, which is really special because I don't think that's something that always happens once a city has an Olympics. Yeah, it is really a little bit unusual to have it at this depth. As you're just hanging around in in town, are you running into athletes from other sports? You're a mogul skier, but are you running into and hanging out with snowboarders or alpine skiers and skaters and bobsled and losers? 
Yeah, absolutely. We see we see all, each other all over the place, which is really cool, especially just out of our building at the uh, USC and snowboard. It's pretty inspiring and pretty cool to walk in there. And, you know, I, I remember my first year on the ski team, I was I was lifting weights with Ted Ligety and Steven Nyman, just as a 17-year-old walking around with two superstars. Um, but being able to see everyone and see all um, Park City and the Utah community is done is really inspiring. It's a big honor, I know, to become an Olympian. And I'm guessing that you'll be leaving Beijing with a pretty good feeling about how you performed athletically on that big night. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a fun night. It was cool to step through all the rinks and I was almost kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel making it through each round. But then by the end, I was able to put down my best burn of the night in the medal round when it mattered most, which was really cool. It was a nice way to cap it all off. You know, it's an interesting format for freestyle now, and you've got to get into each one of these successive rounds. To get into that final round of six, you were you were sitting right there on the bubble, and all of a sudden you're in. I mean, what was your thinking when you went into that final round of six? I mean, were you thinking, I got a chance here? Absolutely. Yeah, I remember I was in a spot where before that round, the round of 12 to get into the six, I'd skied a pretty good run, and I put myself in a spot where I needed some action to happen from the other guys to give me a chance to be in the six. And it was hard looking up that leaderboard because there were so many really high class names that were coming down. That I knew it was going to be tight and it worked out in my favor, which was lucky. And then by the time that I, uh, I got up to that round of six run, it was like, holy crap, here we are. You know, <laughs> I had worked all these months since March, basically with this on my mind. And then, you know, you even go back four years where it was all for that little 20 second window, which was pretty special to make it there. It was interesting on NBC that night to watch not just you compete, but to watch your family and Cole McDonald's family all gathered at like four in the morning at the family home in Park City. When you talked to your folks after the competition, what did they have to say to you? They were so excited. I actually, I called them this morning to touch base a little bit. And, you know, we just talked through everything. They were so excited after the event. And I think they're probably on about as much of the the Chinese time zone that I am because they've been staying up. <laughs> it's been amazing to watch you. Nick, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us a little bit. Do you have a shout out you'd like to uh, send out to all your friends and supporters back in Utah? You know, Tom, I think the biggest thing is just I can't express enough gratitude to everyone that's in my corner, to everyone in the Park City community. I mean, they've done so much for me just to get me to this point. I can think of all the people that have supported me athletically through schools, through, you know, just the people in Park City, when you run into them on a chairlift or in the grocery store that tell you that they're going to be cheering for you when they see you on TV, every person like that just needs the biggest thank you that means the world. Well, it means a lot to us to have somebody like you to cheer for. You're a good representative of Utah. Nick Page, mogul skier, Olympian, fifth in the Olympic moguls competition. Thanks for joining us on Last Chair. Thanks, Tom. Thanks to Nick and all of our Utah athletes. Everyone back here at home has been proud to tune in and watch our own homegrown heroes. And more than that, we're proud of the sport programs we have in Utah, where the focus is engaging kids in sport to help build life skills and introduce them to activities that get them outdoors in our beautiful state. Living on the backside of the Wasatch, one of our favorite drives is heading just a short distance from Park City to look at the stunning views of Mount Timpanogist. And one of the most spectacular views is from Red Ledges, a 2,000-acre community just minutes from Park City where you can experience the best of what Utah has to offer. 
The combination of breathtaking views and easy access to active lifestyle adventures is what really sets Red Ledges apart. You can spend the day skiing at Deer Valley Resort, just a short shuttle ride away, go hiking or biking on the surrounding trails, playing golf on one of Red Ledges' two Jack Nicklaus courses, or participating in one of the many club activities. And at the end of the day, you can simply come home to Red Ledges and relax on your deck to some stunning views of Timp. Red Ledges offers home sites and custom homes to make your dream life a reality. Visit redledges.com to discover Red Ledges. That's redledges.com. The Ski Utah Last Chair podcast is brought to you by High West Distillery. Follow our whiskey adventure on all social media platforms at Drink High West. And remember, sip responsibly. High West Whiskey, 46% alcohol by volume. High West Distillery in Park City, Utah. We have some great episodes coming up on Last Chair through February and into March. And next up, we'll have noted ski photographer Lee Cohen talking about his days as a ski bum in Utah and how he became one of the most respected photographers in the Wasatch. Thank you for joining us on Last Chair. We'll be back soon with more episodes. And to close us out again, as always, let's welcome our friends Pixie and the Party Grass Boys. And remember, subscribe to have every episode delivered direct to you. I'm Tom Kelly for Last Chair, presented by High West. Have fun. It is a great day to ski. Oh, I love to ski. I'm living in Utah. I'm living in Utah.